You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. St. John's, I hope you're doing well. It's great to be a part of your service today. My name is Jordan Wakeman and I'm the Relationships Manager for Open House Christian Involvement Centres and it's truly an honour to be sharing with you all briefly this morning as St. John's has been an incredibly faithful and long-term supporter of Open House and we truly do love being one of your missions partners. It is my great honour to get to share a reading with all of us together from John chapter 15 verses 26 all the way through to John chapter 16 verses 11 from the New International Version. So if you have your Bibles, I would love to read this all together. The heading of today's text is this, the work of the Holy Spirit, reading from verse 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will be remembered that I warned you about them. I do not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment... Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Thank you so much again for having me at your service, St. John's. I hope you have a great rest of your Sundays and a great rest of your service. And I look forward to seeing you again at some point in the future. God bless. Well, as a church, we have a mission. Know Jesus, make Jesus known. But who's responsible for achieving that mission? If we want people to know Jesus, to grow in relationship with Jesus, to know him personally and to deepen that relationship. And if we want to share Jesus with other people, that they too can know Jesus, be in relationship with him, know the life that comes from knowing Jesus. Who's responsible to achieve those things? Uh, Is it the senior minister? Is it ultimately my job to make sure those things happen? Or maybe... The staff team are responsible for doing that. We're paid to work in the church, so maybe it's our job to make those things happen. Maybe it's the leadership across the church, including our wardens, our parish council, our life group leaders, youth and children leaders, and other leaders throughout the church to achieve that mission. Or maybe it's all of our job to do it together. It is a church mission, after all, so maybe... All of us who are followers of Jesus and part of St. John's need to achieve that mission together. 
Well, all of those things are actually true to differing degrees. There's different levels of responsibility within the church. Uh, but there is truth in all of those things that I've said. But I've missed out something absolutely vital and critical in terms of the achievement of that mission. You see, there is someone who is even more responsible for achieving that mission, more committed to that mission, and frankly, more capable of achieving that mission than any of the rest of us. We're in a series at the moment called The Spirit of Truth, and we're looking at teaching of Jesus in a section of John's Gospel, John chapters 14 through 16, where Jesus is teaching his disciples, his first followers, preparing them for his death, which is going to come, his, uh, and his leaving them, him, his going back to heaven, and what they will need to do when he has gone. Uh, and we're looking at what Jesus specifically teaches in these sections about the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of Truth. Uh, as the series is called, and as Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit throughout this section. So I'd love you to grab your Bible, as, as Kirk encouraged us earlier, to, to have a Bible open and have a look at it together, or a Bible app, uh, so that we can unpack this passage together. Here's how it starts, verse 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I saw a couple of weeks ago that one of the terms that Jesus uses in this section for the Holy Spirit is this term advocate. And an advocate is one who is called to come alongside and help someone. And it sometimes has a bit of a legal courtroom flavour to it. And that's the case in this section particularly as well. The Spirit here testifies to Jesus, stands up and gives testimony about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's almost like a, a promoter of Jesus, someone who markets Jesus and speaks about him to other people. He wants people to know how great Jesus is. Because, put simply, Jesus is a big deal. In terms of God's plans for the world, in terms of the whole of history and the direction that the world is going, Jesus lies at the centre of all of those plans. In terms of God's way for human beings to be back in relationship with him comes through Jesus Christ, who is God himself who has come to live amongst us to show us the way to live and to give his life to deal with our failings and our sins to bring us back into relationship with God. Uh, Jesus is the one that God has put in charge of the whole world as the one who rules over everything, who people need to respond to and who will show us the best way to live. Jesus is a big deal and the Holy Spirit's job or a key part of the Holy Spirit's job is to testify to Jesus, to point people, to direct them to Jesus. 
Earlier in uh, John 14 and verse 6, Jesus has said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus himself has spoken about his critical importance, that he is the way to come to God, that he provides the truth about God, and he is the one who provides the fullness of life. And the Spirit agrees with Jesus, and a key part of his mission is to point to Jesus, to testify to him, and to show people that Jesus is the one that we need to respond to. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do this on his own. We go on in verse 27. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. There's a special job here for the first disciples of Jesus. They're the ones that Jesus is speaking to immediately in this context. They have been with Jesus. They've heard the things that he's taught. They've seen the miracles that he's performed. They've seen the quality of his life. Uh, they've been with him right from the start, and so they can tell people and testify about Jesus to other people. So it's their job to do it alongside the Holy Spirit who'll be testifying about Jesus. Well, what about us? If we're followers of Jesus in 2020, uh, do we have a role to testify to Jesus in the same way that the, dis the first disciples did? Well, it's not exactly in the same way. We haven't directly heard Jesus' teaching and, and seen him in action, but we do have what the first disciples wrote down in the Bible, their records of all of those things that have happened. But it is our job to give testimony to Jesus, to speak to people about his impact in our lives, to speak about the, the truths that we know from those first disciples because we've read them and, and understood them, uh, believed them and put them into practice and seen that they've worked. Uh, so we too do have a role to testify to Jesus, but we do it alongside the testifying work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I reckon that this is both harder and easier at the moment, uh, as we're in restrictions here in Melbourne. It's harder in one sense because there's not, there's not really the incidental conversations, uh, the so-called sort of water cooler conversations at work or the locker conversations at school, where you're just chatting with people about life and there's opportunities to just speak into that about our relationship with Jesus, to speak about what he means to us, to uh, talk about our involvement in church and what that means to us. Uh, it's, it's harder in that sense because there's less incidental conversations. Uh, and let's be honest, like any conversation when you're wearing a mask out and about is, is awkward. Um, I mean, you don't have to say, can I tell you about Jesus for people to balk? Uh, if I'm in the fruit shop and say, do you mind if I get to the carrots, people balk, you know, because, oh, you're in my space and I'm, I'm, I'm worried about you breathing on me, right? So, so it is awkward at the moment to have those conversations. So in some ways, it, it's harder. But in other ways, 
it's easier. Uh, some research just last month have shown that there is a real openness amongst Australians to speak of spiritual things. So McCrindle Research um, researched some Aussies and that research showed that 35% of people said that they were praying more at the moment. And 41% of people said they were thinking about God more. So it's quite likely that your schoolmates, your workmates, uh, your family, your friend are actually thinking about God at the moment more than they would otherwise be doing. So there's a real openness about people to think about God, to think about spiritual things and an opportunity for us to testify to Jesus in that moment. Another way that it's easier is because everything's digital, this is recorded, you're, you're watching in your own homes, uh, it's quite easy to share things. You can send someone a link, it's less threatening to, than to get them to physically turn up to a building. Um, you can share it and they can take it or leave it. it. It's quite open for people to just check things out from a distance without having to commit themselves too much. Oh, and hey, maybe that's you. Maybe you're watching today because uh, one of your friends or a family member sent you a link to our church service and you thought, yeah, I'll give that a go. It's great to have you. We're so glad that you've joined us. You're very welcome. Please do keep exploring Jesus because we reckon he's the real deal and he's the most important person who has ever lived and the way that we can have a relationship with God. So we're glad that you've taken up that offer and you're checking things out. So the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus and we also have a part to play in testifying to Jesus as well. Then Jesus goes on in this passage to remind his disciples that he is going to leave them. Uh, and clearly we see here that they're grieved by that. They're, they're sad, understandably. They've been with Jesus uh, full time for the last three years. They've lived together. They've heard his teaching. They've seen him and they love him. And now he's going to be leaving them and they're sad about that. And Jesus also says, and when I go, you're going to face some hard stuff. People are going to persecute you because you're followers of mine and because you're trying to tell people about me. Uh, so they'll be rejected, they'll be socially ostracised, thrown out of the synagogue, not only uh, thrown out of the religious meeting but all of the social connections, the community connections that went with that, they'll be outcasts and rejected. And they'll face violence, people will want to kill them and think they're doing God's will by killing them. And we know that uh, all but one of the disciples, John, our writer here, all the others were actually killed for their faith in Jesus and testifying to him. So there's some really hard stuff which is coming over the horizons for the disciples. And so it's really quite remarkable what Jesus says next in chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus says, it is for your good that I'm going away. Wait, what? Say that again, Jesus. You're going to go, we're going to face all this hard stuff because you've gone, and yet it's, it's good that you're going away? How can that be? Well, Jesus says, if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not be sent to you to live within you. 
we need to understand what Jesus is saying here in the, in the wider context of God's plans for the world. In terms of God's plans for history, uh, Jesus, who is God himself coming into the world, is, is the centre of God's plans. And he lives amongst us, shows us how a, a true human being should live, gives his life by dying on the cross to take our sins, our wrongdoing, our rejection of God upon himself, rises from the dead, defeating sin and death and carving a new way for humanity to be able to live forever with God and then goes back up to be with his heavenly father to rule the world from heaven and in doing that then as part of God's promised plans the Holy Spirit is poured out on the followers of Jesus so this is all part of God's plan and Jesus says unless I go unless I die on the cross rise from the dead go back to heaven then the next part of the plan which is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit will not happen a new age of history has been ushered in here by Jesus uh, the age of the Holy Spirit the age of mission in the name of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit is about to begin and we are living within it I often think to myself how good would it be to live in the time of Jesus I mean if I could go anywhere in a time machine I reckon I'd be pretty keen to go back to first century Palestine and to check Jesus out you know to be with him walk along with him hear his teaching sure I'd have to learn some Aramaic to understand what he was talking about but wouldn't that just be the best thing wouldn't that be the absolute best thing that you can imagine well Jesus says no here's something better I will give you the Holy Spirit to live within you the Holy Spirit is not the runners-up prize the participation award thanks for trying where Jesus is kind of first prize Jesus says no having the Holy Spirit come and live within you is the best possible thing and the key part the key next step of God's plans for the world think about it like this uh, as a church here at St John's we have over 550 regular members of our church now imagine in an absolutely stunning recruitment crew we managed to recruit Jesus onto the staff here at St John's I mean it is an absolute um, win for us to have Jesus on the staff team let me tell you uh, and he's going to help us in our our mission to tell people about him so uh, day one on the job he says you know I'll go to work with Vicky today and uh, so that people can meet me and she can tell people about me uh, then day two it's like oh well I might go to school with David today so that his schoolmates can see me day three off to the men's shed with Ross and Gary and Michael uh, Jesus impresses people there I mean he's a carpenter after all absolutely nails the woodwork at the men's shed then uh, day four can you see where I'm going with this uh, Jesus can only be in one place at one time and as awesome as it would be it's pretty limited in terms of what he's able to do but the Holy Spirit living within the followers of Jesus 
is everywhere, at every time, in every workplace, every school, whenever we engage in our local area, in our homes, with family, with friends, God's Spirit is within us, testifying to Jesus and helping us to testify. And it wouldn't be a great coup having Jesus on the staff at St John's, because then he wouldn't be down at the Uniting Church or the Catholic Church or the Baptists down the road. But the Holy Spirit is helping them as they testify to Jesus in their own lives. And we're just trying to do that in this area. What about through the rest of Melbourne, the rest of Australia, the rest of the world, where the Holy Spirit lives within all of the followers of Jesus, helping all of us to do that together. Helping the work of our mission partners. So, uh, as people are being trained, Indigenous leaders are being trained at Nungyalinya College, the Holy Spirit is at work. As people are being befriended and helped at Open House, the Holy Spirit is testifying to Jesus. As the Bible's being in, translated into Al-Yawara in Alice Springs with David Blackman, the Holy Spirit's at work. As women and men are being trained for ministry at Ridley College, the Holy Spirit is at work. As church leaders are being trained in Timor-Leste, the Holy Spirit is at work. He is everywhere at all times testifying to Jesus and helping the followers of Jesus testify to Jesus and do his work. Jesus says, it is better for me to go away because then the Holy Spirit will come. Do we believe that? Because it's absolutely true as we go about our mission of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. How limited, how constrained, how small would the testifying to Jesus have been if Jesus had have just stayed around in one place, in one time, and yet now there's an explosion of mission in the name of Jesus, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're part of something that is big. I mean, this is really big, world-shaping, world-changing stuff that we're a part of as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this is going on all over the world, and this is going on in each of our lives and in the spheres that we move in each and every day. But how does it work in practice? What's, what's our job? What's the Holy Spirit's job? How does it work together? Well, Jesus unpacks a bit of that for us in verses 8 to 11 of our passage. Here's what he says about the Spirit and his work. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. What does that mean? If I, if I say to you, I'm going to prove you wrong, well, that makes me seem a bit like, you know, sort of a, a smart aleck know-it-all, uh, trying to be superior by proving that I'm right and you're wrong. Uh, but the sense here, speaking of the Spirit and His work, is more around the idea of trying to convince people and to convict them that they haven't got things right. And it's not for the purpose of showing superiority, 
It's for the purpose of leading to change, genuine, heartfelt change to turn people back to the God who made them and loves them. So the Spirit will convict people about sin. Sin at its heart is about a rejection of our loving God who made us, the God who knows the best way to live and attempting to say, God, I actually don't need you and I know better than you the best way to live. That's the heart of sin. And so Jesus says that the Spirit here will convict people of their need to believe in Jesus. Again, Jesus who is God himself having come to live amongst us And yet people still rejected Jesus, God in the flesh, in their midst. So people need the Holy Spirit to convict them that rejection of God, rejection of Jesus is not the way to live and to help people to believe in him, to convict them of the reality that we need to believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit will also convict people about righteousness. Righteousness is about living life rightly and it's a relational term being in right relationship with people being in right relationship with God with other people uh, with the world itself the creation that we're called to live in and Jesus challenged people in his in his earthly ministry about how to do this and he demonstrated the way to treat people rightly to to live a righteous life But as he says here, he's going back into heaven. People can't see that in action. And so they need the Holy Spirit to be at work to convict people about right living and the best way to do relationships. And to empower us who are followers of Jesus to live out relationships rightly and to love people well so that people can actually see a different model for the way to do relationships. And pointing people to Jesus as the one who lives rightly and well and also the one who will give his righteous life, his perfect life to us through his death on the cross so that we can be in right relationship with God and be empowered to live rightly as we move into the future. The Spirit will also uh, convict and convince people about judgment Because God is God, we can't go on rejecting him forever. God is patient and God gives us time to change, to respond to him. But at some point, whether it's when we die or as Jesus says when he returns, at some point we will have a face-to-face interview with God and we will have to give an account for our lives. We'll have to give an account for the way we've related to God, whether we've rejected him or related to him and loved him. Uh, We'll have to give an account for whether we have treated people rightly and well and what we've done with our lives. And so the Spirit convicts us of the reality of that judgment. And in pointing to Jesus shows that Jesus, through his life and his death and his resurrection, has already executed some of that judgment. It says here that the the prince of this world, which is a way of referring to Satan or the devil, the one who 
kind of leads the opposition to God and, and seeks to uh, lead people away from God, he himself already stands condemned. He's been condemned through the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's been defeated. Jesus is the one who is the Lord, the ruler of the world. And so judgment is clear. If we don't believe in Jesus and receive the forgiveness from him, then we also will stand condemned. So the Holy Spirit is at work, convincing and convicting. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, maybe you're experiencing something of exactly this in your life at the moment. Maybe there is this uh, sense that you, you can't get out of your head, um, a, a feeling just, just tugging, tugging, tugging at your heart that things are not quite right with you and God, uh, that you need to be in relationship with God, that uh, maybe your life isn't all that you want it to be in terms of treating people rightly and well, that if you had to face God's judgment, that it wouldn't be favourable. That's, that's the Holy Spirit at work, just to name your, what is happening in your experience. That is the Holy Spirit trying to convince you and convict you of those realities. But he doesn't want to just leave you sitting and wallowing in the discomfort of that. His job is to point to Jesus and to point you to Jesus, to the one who forgives our sin through his death on the cross, the one who offers us his righteousness so that you can be in right relationship with God and be equipped and empowered to live life rightly and well, the one in whom there is no condemnation if you trust in Jesus because he's already taken the judgment of God for our sins on himself on the cross so that we don't have to. If that is you, Please don't ignore the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Please listen to what he is saying. Please listen to his testimony pointing you towards Jesus. And we as a church would love to help you with that. If you want to know more about what you need to do, how you can respond, or questions that you've got, we would love to help you. Please connect with us at stjohnsdc.org.au and we would love to help you on that journey. What about for you who are already followers of Jesus? What does this passage mean for us as we think about the work of the Holy Spirit in testifying to Jesus, convincing and convicting people, and our own task to be testifying to Jesus? Well, it's a good reminder of what bit is our responsibility and what bit is not. Uh, yes, we do have a responsibility to point people to Jesus through the way that we live, through the words that we speak, through sharing our experience of Jesus with other people. But we by no means do this all on our own. And I hope it would help us to relax a bit when we do try and share Jesus with other people, that we have a part to play in that, but we will never argue another person into a relationship with Jesus. And we can't reach into another person's heart and convince them and convict them 
that there needs to be a life change and a turning to Jesus. We can't do that. It's beyond our pay grade. It's beyond our abilities. But God can do it through the power of his Holy Spirit, working in people's hearts, convincing and convicting them about sin, righteousness and judgment. So it should help us to not to be manipulative of people, not to think that we sometimes have to do it in our own strength and power, which means that we, we can get manipulative and argumentative and a bit Bible thumpy with people. No, we need to do our bit and then we need to pray and be asking the Holy Spirit to do his bit, the work of convicting. We need to get on our knees and be asking for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in power so that people are directed to the truth and the beauty of Jesus, that a spotlight is shone on him and that would, people would realise that he is a big deal. He is the answer for the world as well as for their individual lives. Again, as a church, we have a mission. Know Jesus make Jesus known. And we all share in that mission together. But God is even more committed to that mission than we are. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to do that work. And the Holy Spirit is frankly better at that job than we are. We do it together but we do it empowered by the Holy Spirit, trusting his work in people's lives to convince, to convict, and to testify that Jesus is the way to have the fullness of life and to know God forever. Amen.